Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 427 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, hot on the heels after the release of her latest book, The Wolf's Howl. How are you, Al? I'm okay. Well, mm. yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm yeah. yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> I had to think about that, didn't I? Well, it's, it's, I'm having the I'm having the week after the launch moment, you know. Yes. So I had my hangover. Uh, yeah, it is a bit of a hangover. It's a bit mm. of a you know. There's part of me is really excited that I don't have to get up and be Zoom ready every mm. single day, which mm. is kind mm. of exhausting for someone who's used to not being Zoom ready every day. I trust understand. Me. Um, so there's that and, but it's also just, you know, like you, you build up to big events. My Zoom launch was great, went really well. And I was Mm. really, really happy to see so many, you know, excited kids and it was, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, I had a whole week of last week of, um, you know, interviews and I was in the paper and I was, you know, I was all over the place, which was great. Uh, and, and then you sort of like get to this week. So I'm actually gearing up. I I will have to be Zoom ready again as of, mm. I think it's Friday. I've got my first book week school visit via Zoom. So I'm doing oh. three three sessions via Zoom at a school. And then the following week, I've got another, I think, three or four days worth. So I'm up wow. for a lot of authorial blazer action, which is, yes. you know, fun. Mm. Um, but Can't remember know, the it, last time I wore a blazer. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, I have kind of not really been out of mine for the last couple of weeks which is unusual even though I'm not really going anywhere um but yeah so I've got got those sorts of things to to do and in the meantime I'm just trying to kind of get everything back in order after a couple of weeks of chaos and um and then I you know go again I'm just really looking forward to kind of getting to the end of August and getting back into writing something. I am mm. missing writing at the moment, um, but it is incredibly difficult to write and promote at the same time. So I'm just, you know, I've got these ideas kind of ticking away in the back of my mind and I'm allowing them to tick. I did a lot of garden watering while I thought about things. And uh, But yeah. what happens and when you have right. a burning idea and you just go, oh, I need to get it out, and you're in this kind of situation when you're busy doing other things? Oh, no, I just – I write notes. Like I've got notes. I, you know, I, I sort of – I've got a Word doc open. I just I just put down things as I think of them. Um, but I'm, I'm really still in the stewing stage with this new right. idea that I've got, and the stewing mm. stage just requires – um, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like there's like a swirling kind of crock pot going in the back of my mind all the time <laughs> and I just drop things into it occasionally and I have to trust, I have to trust that that's all going to come out, you know, when mm. I do actually sit down to write. But I'm starting to get a bit of an idea about what it, what it looks like. I'm starting to get a, a bit of a plan together, I think, in my mind anyway. So we'll see. So that's happening. But in the meantime, I'm really enjoying talking about the wolf's howl and yes. you know how that stewing process occurred and how that came together. And mm. um, so, yeah, so it's, you know, it swings and roundabouts, this author life. What can I say? Cool. That sounds like you're busy, 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 mm. busy, especially with all those school appearances coming up. Yes. Is it hard to do it on Zoom? Have you done many on Zoom? 
I've done a few on Zoom. I don't love them, I have to say, um, only because one of the joys of school visits is just that being in the room and the yeah, interaction. the reactions, yeah. And a lot of my, um, a lot of my, uh, you know, of the of my author talk is based around you know question and answer and and jump, you know, bouncing off kids' ideas mm. and coming up with that sort of stuff. And so I do. I do find it difficult from that perspective. Um, I also find it really tiring because there's something tiring. about a Zoom where you feel like you're trying to press the energy through the screen. Yes. You know, push it. And so because there's a lot of output and you're not getting back and that's what you get in a school visit. You are yeah. kind of expelling or expending a huge amount of energy, but you're also feeding back off, you know, the kids and what they're doing and um, yeah. And that sort of stuff. And so with the Zoom talk, you don't get that so much. You're kind of like mm. pushing it through the screen. Um, so but, true. you know, I, I've been, you know, I, I did get to go to a school. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I did get to go to a school recently, uh, a local school. And so, you know, I reminded me, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. So that was helpful. Mm. Um, and I have to say that the the Zoom talk that I did uh, last Tuesday night was a was an author talk, you know, for the book launch. And mm. that was really good because the other thing you have to do when you do it on Zoom is you, you have to change your material slightly. Like you've got to kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit with your author talk, which yeah. I did. And I was really pleased with how it went. Like it was, it was oh. great. So I was very, very pleased that, you know, like I feel a lot more confident going into this new burst of school talks, knowing that I've I've reformulated how things go and it and it went well. So, you know, fingers crossed it'll all be fine. I mean, you can only mm. do what you can do, right? Yes. And just mm. a reminder to everyone that Alison actually lives outside of the Greater Sydney area. That's why she was able to visit a school. Oh yes, that's right. But this week <laughs> I can't visit a school, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's we want to give a changing world. I know. It's crazy, right? Uh, we want to give a big shout out to Stephanie J. Ewing, who left us five stars on Apple Podcasts. No, not on Apple Podcasts. On about our book. Left us five stars about our book. <laughs> on Amazon. You really on had to think Amazon. About that, <laughs> on Amazon. She said, I read this book and was inspired to write my own. And so she is she bought the book on Amazon and she read it and then left the review on Amazon and said, If you think you want to write a book, buy this one to put you on the right track. I read this book. It inspired me to write my book. So excited and thankful that I bought this one. It is in paperback, so you can take notes as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie J. Ewing. I just, um, yeah, so that is our book, So You Want to Be a Writer, written by Alison Tate and myself, um, <laughs> based on our many years of experience in the world of writing and publishing, and it covers all of the steps. It's really a blueprint on what you need to do and what you need to consider if you want to be a writer. So I'm glad that Stephanie obviously followed the blueprint. And I have to say, I love the last name Ewing because it always reminds me of my childhood and watching Dallas. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and he woke up and it was all a dream. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Patrick Duffy. That's right. His character was all a dream. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly watched it too. Oh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. You know what? I don't think you actually had to watch it to know that plot twist because it became yeah. absolutely. It was. It was one of the first great letdowns of of everybody's yeah. life. Yeah. I mean. 
Yeah. As, a, yeah. as writers, hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, so <laughs> we are going to move on because I've got something yes. I'd like to talk about. Uh, just okay. having been in the position of having promoted the book and done all that sort of stuff and been all over social media, you know, doing all my various things, including my reel. Please, if you haven't watched my reel, go see it, Alison mm-hmm. Tate Writer on Instagram. Yes. Um, and one of the things I want to talk about, like, uh, now we love Jane Friedman's uh, website. Yes. Um, uh, that's Jane Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. She had a post recently called How to Harness Community to Build Book Sales and Platform. So, of course, I had to go and have a look at that because um, I'm a great believer in community as part of an author's um, profile, branding, book sales, whatever you want mm. to call it. Um, now, this particular post was a bit of a summary of a session that she had gone attended at the Booksellers Marketing and Publicity Conference in the U.S., Um, where publishers, large and small, discuss how they work with authors to plan book launches and long-term marketing and promotions, especially in relation to online communities or social media, which is really important given the rise of online sales. Like, let's Mm. face it, a lot of people are buying their books online at the moment. A lot of people are discovering their books online at the moment. People, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's the last couple of years have really upended a lot of the things, of the way that we do things. Um, And one of the things that, I guess the thing that really stood out for me, particularly having been through, you know, the last couple of weeks process, um, was a session where senior marketing executive Sean Gardner and senior publicity manager Jess Duffy, mm-hmm. both of Bluebird and One Boat, which are impress, uh, imprints of Macmillan, Pan Macmillan, um, yeah. were talking about the fact that social media plays a significant role in just about every marketing campaign now. Mm-hmm. And Gardner and Duffy said that one of the biggest sticking points when it comes to social strategy can be the regularity of posts required. And this is something Mm. I see a lot just in general conversation in sort of various author groups that I'm in and and you kind of see it. You'll see people who've got a book coming out, you know, send out an apology saying, I'm so sorry, but I need to promote my book now. And and I'm so sorry for the influx of of, of, uh, tweets about my book or whatever. And I'm like, dude, like really? (laughs) Promote away, tweet, go nuts. Um, So there is this sort of thing of authors worrying about spamming their followers or, mm-hmm. or you know, seeming too salesy. But, and this is a key point of this, that this I, my point, and I do have one, this is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. The life cycle of social posts is incredibly short. So Gardner and Duffy in this session gave out the information that the life cycle of a Twitter, of a tweet, is 18 minutes 18 minutes, your tweet yeah. is going to be visible to your wow. followers for about 18 minutes. Nuts. You get two and a half hours on Facebook. So you've really got to think about mm. when you post because if you want to, um, if you want that to sort of go further, um, you know, for people to share, for more people to see, for people to comment, which is what you need on Facebook for engagement, mm. um, then you've got two and a two and a half hour window. And then Instagram, you get 48 hours, which is possibly why Instagram has really grown so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I resisted Instagram. I mean, if you go back 200 posts, I really, I really resisted it because it didn't make sense to me as an author. Like Twitter made mm. sense to me because of the writing aspect of it. Yes. Facebook made sense to me because I knew all my friends were there, so that I figured lots of people were there. Mm. Uh, but Instagram, I was just like, what am I going to 
you know, what am I going to take pictures of? Like, who's going to be interested? Pup. <laughs> well, I didn't have Procrasty Pup at that point. Suddenly mm-hmm. I got Procrasty Pup and it all became very clear to me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the, it's important to recognise that, you know, everything that you put out on your social media is not being seen by every single one of your followers. That's so right. So if you put out five tweets a day about your book, chances are that four people are going to see each one of those. Mm. So, you know, when you look at that sort of thing, you've really got to make sure that you are posting regularly about your book and about, you know, various aspects of your book. So Mm. the key to making it work so that you don't feel like you're just like, buy my book, buy my book, is Mm. to think about different aspects of your book that you can post about, different aspects of your author life that you can post about, you know, um, if when, like when the book comes out, I will often post like here I am signing my book in a bookshop. I will post mm. here I am talking to kids about my book here. You know, so it's not necessarily all book cover up front, but just that general, oh, she's written a book. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, there must be a new ALT book out. Oh, look, she's out doing that. So just think about different ways that you can showcase the fact that your book is out in a social kind of way. Mm, mm, absolutely. I think that it's so important because what, you do see it all the time, don't you? You see people mm. uh, or, or you hear people say to you, no, I don't want to um, post again. I posted three days ago. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, like, dude, you're on Facebook. You've got to be posting like really to kind of keep some kind of place in the algorithm there. Yeah. It's a couple of times a day, like, yeah. you know, really. To keep, you know, mm-hmm. to keep that going. Instagram is the same, although you don't mm. want to get too ridiculous on Instagram because those posts do stay live for longer. But Twitter, mm. like, post oh. 20 times a day if you want. Like, it's because yes. so everybody goes there for five minutes at a time. And so for you to grab them in the five minutes that they're there, yeah. you know, you need to be posting regularly. So that's all I just wanted to say. Oh, don't definitely. Don't be scared. One of the best descriptions I had heard about Twitter was they described Twitter as a river and imagine that you're just on a bridge standing on the bridge over the river and you're only seeing what happens to flow at that moment. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and then you're no longer on the bridge, right? Mm. That's right. And if you're on the bridge and you want to post something and that river is floating, you're dropping a stick in and then Mm. it's gone. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Good for extending the analogy. I like like it. I did that. I love this why we work together so well. (laughs) Well done. Let's move on to our competition this week. We have three copies of The Disappearing Act by Catherine Stedman. So you have a chance to win one of these three copies. The new gripping psychological thriller from the New York Times bestselling author of Mr. Nobody and Something in the Water. Mia Elliott, Elliot, Mia Elliott has travelled from London to LA for pilot season, her big chance to make it as an actor in Hollywood. At an audition, she meets Emily and what starts as a simple favour takes a dark turn when Emily goes missing and Mia is the last person to see her. Then a woman turns up, claiming to be Emily, but she is nothing like Mia remembers. Why would someone pretend to be Emily? Starting to question her own sanity, she goes on a desperate and dangerous search for answers. In an industry where everything is about creating illusions, how do you know what is real and how much are you willing to risk to find out the truth? Oh, exactly. So entries close on the 23rd of August. Go to writercentre.com.au slash win 
for your chance to win one of three copies of The Disappearing Act by Catherine Stedman. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. Now, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, you know, yeah. Yes, yes. The answer yeah. is yes. Oh, you hear an emphatic <laughs> yes when I say that, don't you? Emphatic. <laughs> she exactly. can't wait to hear the word of the week. <laughs> okay. Lipogram. L-I-P-O-G-R-A-M. Lipogram. Huh. Do you know what that is? No. Is it some kind of plastic surgery? <laughs> it could sounds a bit like a cross between plastic surgery and a stripogram or something, right? But no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> So lipogram is a noun and it is a piece of text in which the writer has decided not to use a particular letter, resulting in the exclusion of all words containing that letter. So, for example, in the 1939 novel Gadsby by Ernest Vincent Wright, which is 50,000 words, it does not use the letter E. So it doesn't even have words like the or he or she or past tense words that end in ed, you know, like wanted. Lithogram. exhausting. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, doing that? Can you imagine? Can why you, would you imagine? Why would you? <laughs> but you know what? Go, Ernest. I'm glad that someone yes. proved it could be. He couldn't even put his name on it, though, because his name's got yeah. one, two, yes. three, three E's in it. Oh, my God. Funny. Mm. All right. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you're serious about completing your own novel manuscript, immerse yourself in our inspiring and motivational six-month program, Write Your Novel. Filled with weekly workshopping and practical lessons, you'll receive advice on structure, dialogue and balance, as well as tips on publishing. This online program fits around your weekly schedule and you'll find extensive personal feedback from your tutor and classmates throughout the program. Find out more at writercentre.com.au slash novel writing. All right, so let's move on to our writer in residence this week. We had a great chat with Rebecca Campbell. Rebecca Campbell is the author of 138 Dates, and I, I, I couldn't put it down. It is a memoir. It is engaging. It's interesting. She um, was a she, she ran businesses um, and startups, and she was quite big in the startup space. And she found that she was so busy building businesses that she uh, woke up one day and realized she was single and hadn't been on a date in 10 years. So she decided it was time to get a partner and approached that process with the level of organization and structure as she would building a business. And then she decided to write about it. Uh, And when she started writing about it, she ended up doing our Write Your Novel uh, course, and she, which she says was instrumental in helping her shape the, the, the story. And the result is this fantastic book, and it's doing so well. So let's have a listen to Rebecca Campbell. Thanks so much for joining us today, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Very excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you because I've read 138 dates and I was just telling someone today that in one word it was unputdownable. 
So thank you. So excited for you. Um, So it's called 138 Dates, the true story of one woman's search for everything. I have so much to unpack here, but first of all, for listeners who haven't got their hands on the book yet, can you tell them what it's about? So, yeah, it's about, I mean, I was a business person and I built a couple of businesses and I worked really hard through my 20s and 30s and I got to 34 and was like, I really wanted to have a family and love in my life and I hadn't been on a date in 10 years. And so I set myself a New Year's resolution to go on one date every week for a year. And so the story kind of follows three years of intense dating on 138 different men um, Mm. and at the same time building the business and it's it's really a personal growth story it's about everything I learned about myself and about dating and about business through that that kind of period Um, and you know it's got themes of grief and I guess kind of coming of age you know throughout it and yeah it's got it for a nose (laughs) looked it up it's got a very happy ending so I figured out a lot of stuff during that time yeah why did you want to write this book um, well, I, so I had written business columns for years. So I had a blog actually, which I started, I don't know, 10 years ago or something now. And then that became a New York times column. And I started writing a business book with a publisher and I just, when I was writing it, it was like, I think it was 2017, 2018. I was really bored <laughs> no, I just got up like every day, I was slogging away at this business book. And I was just like, this is not, I just felt like if, if I'm bored writing this, no one's going to be really that interested in reading it. And, and at the same time, I had this little baby and a beautiful love that I'd found through this kind of massive, you know, journey that I'd put myself through. And I was like, this is like writing a book's a big thing. And I was like, if I'm going to write a book and put something into the world and hopefully contribute to people, this is what I want to contribute. You know, what I, everything that I learned through this process and, you know, what I found at the end of it as opposed to, you know, writing another business book. Not there's anything so, wrong with business books, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just to give um, uh, listeners some context, uh, can yeah. you just give a very brief idea of the kind, when you said, you you know, you were building businesses, you were involved in the startup world, just yeah. a very brief, um, you know, history so that they know what you were doing at the time and how different that is really to what this book is, you know, what this book has gone through and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I started a tech business. So, originally, I had a business called Posse, which became Hey You, which is the, it's an app that you use to find cafes, order and pay. So, it's the largest kind of payments app for cafes in Australia. Um, and I was writing, you know, about everything that I learned as an entrepreneur, raising capital, building a team. And um, it was like personal stuff that I learned through that. But, yeah, it was essentially career business focused. Mm. Now, there's a story about how someone read one of your articles and then tracked you down. Is that right? Um, to 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 write this book. Me. Oh yes, that's true. <laughs> that's how I got my publishing deal. Yes. So yes, so, so I was working <laughs> with the publisher. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I was working with the publisher on this book, on this business book, and that kind of disappeared on them. So I felt a bit bad about that, and um, and then I. I decided I really wanted to tell this story and I played around with lots of different ways of writing it and I ended up writing it in much more of a fictional way even though it's all true you know and so it was kind of quite a different type of book um very different to what I think anyone would have expected me to write and so I hadn't I wanted to write it all before I showed it to a publisher and 
And then I um, I wrote, well, we traveled to New Zealand with two young children in September last year and ended up in managed isolation. And mm-hmm. so I wrote an article about what is it like to travel with two young children and go through managed isolation, that whole process. And I sent it to the New Zealand um, um, stuff, it's called, like the New Zealand mm. um, online news site. And then it went really crazy viral and I publisher Alan and Unwin um, messaged me, Jenny, who's, who runs Alan and Unwin here, and said, have you thought about writing a book? And then I was like, oh, yeah, I have been writing a book. At that stage, I was kind of finishing my first draft. I wasn't really ready to share it, um, mm. but I shared it with her and she loved it. And so then that was kind of me off and then it was very quick from then on. So the version you shared with her, though, was that the fictionalised version or this? Because this is a memoir. Yes. No, it's, it, I mean, it's not fictionalised. It's real, but it's, yes. it was written more like a novel than like a, um, a documentary, I guess, right. style memoir. So, yeah, I didn't know what people would think of it. And I was so scared sending off to her. I remember like shaking, waiting to hear what she thought. And she came back to me really quickly, like in a couple of hours, which kind of put me out That's of my misery. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. So what you're saying is that you you did you weren't writing it like you would write a business book like a how to you were writing it like somebody would read a novel so it's not fictionalized but it yes. is um, it, it is just as compelling as fiction well that's my opinion anyway I felt it's just as it's just as compelling as reading a novel but it is or what happened in your life now. Yes. Um, for listeners who are familiar, um, you know, Rebecca did live in Sydney for 20 years. Is that 20 years? And has only recently yes, returned yes. to New Zealand. She's originally yes. a Kiwi. So a yes. lot of the dating actually occurred in Sydney and some in New York. And, you know, that doesn't, that's not a spoiler or anything. Yes. Now, 138 dates. Um, one of the things that I've heard you say is that you approached it like you would a business. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? Oh, well, I mean, the, I, the idea in the first place of putting myself on one date every week for a year was really like, that's how I approach business. You know, I'm not necessarily the smartest or most strategic thinker or whatever, but I know that I can stick at things. And so I was like, okay, if I, if I commit, I'm going to do one date every week for a year. And after not being on a single date in 10 years, I was like, okay, I'll stick at that and I'll eventually figure stuff out. So that was I guess the original thinking. And then, yeah, as I progressed, I like made notes in my journal about what I'd learned, you know, about like either about myself or about the dating process and how to kind of refine my strategy. And so a lot of those notes are in the book. But, um, but yes, I guess I approached it in a similar way to building a business. I absolutely love how um, the systematic approach that you sure. took to it because you had a goal, you wanted to find love, and you had a very systematic approach. And I, I and in one section you say, um, I consider calling and asking for honest feedback after a date, right? <laughs> then I could iterate and improve myself just like we use customer feedback to improve our app. <laughs> Now, obviously, I've taken that out of context, but it's it's. I love all the the little parallels that you have um, with the business world. And but you know, one of the things as well with a hundred and thirty eight dates, you uh, because I, at first I thought, how in the world is she remembering them all? Because you know, they could be a blur sometimes. But you yeah. had a spreadsheet. <laughs> is that right? I did have a spreadsheet. It was it was a spreadsheet was to 
So I had a system that I built, which was around, you know, like like in business, I have a sales funnel, you know, lots of, mm. for hey, you, lots of cafes coming in the top of the funnel. And then we kind of filter down to the ones that are most likely to be successful. And so I thought about dating in the same way. So I was like, I need lots of potential candidates. So I, you know, had lots of channels like eHarmony and Tinder and I did classes and asked friends for introductions. And then I would like do, so I'd message during the week and then I'd do screening calls on a Sunday. Um, and then I would kind of choose the best two or so, one or two to go on a date with during the week. And so that's kind of the, I guess, the systematic approach. And the idea was that it would give me like, if I was only going to do 52, which was my initial hope, (laughs) um, that, you know, I would have the absolute 52 best candidates possible that I, that I'd met. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's not like love is not totally, not love is not formulaic, you know, in the end, but I think (laughs) you do put yourself in luck's way, you know, and, and, and yeah, in the end, so I imagine that the spreadsheet and also what you wrote in your journal came in very, very useful so you could remember all of the stuff that happened to then eventually write the book. Can yeah. you tell us, practically speaking, when you were writing, how did, how much did you refer back to those notes and how systematic were you in doing that? Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, tell me. I referred to photos a lot. Like I had a lot of photos on my phone from um, that whole period of time and that really triggered a lot of memories. Um, And I'd remembered the notes more than I did have them, but I don't know if I really went back to them. The spreadsheet, the spreadsheet that you're referring to, that was to remember people's stories. So I had the screening calls on Sunday nights Mm -hmm. and then I would like, want to remember the stories at the date. So I started making notes on my screening calls. Oh, you so mean the stories like, they were telling you about their lives? Yes. Yes. If you're doing that many calls and dates, yes. I would like turn up at a date and be like, you know, oh, how's your sister in Adelaide? And then they would say, what? <laughs> and like, oh, that was the other one. So then I, then I had this spreadsheet to note down, you know, this is the story of this person. It wasn't like a checklist or anything like that. No, no. It was a, it was a yeah. To prop, so that helped prompt my memory. But I do have a kind of, I know because I have a good memory, so mm-hmm. I do have a kind of remember where we. I can picture myself sitting in a restaurant and where we were sitting in the restaurant and the conversations that we had. Definitely phrases that stood out, and then I filled in the rest through, you know, either I made it up, you know, took some creative license. Like I don't remember if he was wearing a pink shirt or what we ordered and stuff like that. I made all that stuff up, and mm-hmm. um, and. I also went back to a lot of the places and so like I went and sat at the winery for example and I would listen to all the sounds that I could hear and I'd note them down you know like the this chorus of kind of voices and the screeches that kind of would pierce through the chorus of voices and the clip clop of high heeled Mm. shoes on the deck and all that kind of stuff I found that was really and what were the waitresses wearing and the waiters wearing and like you know how are they taking your order so I used a lot of that kind of stuff to build a more richer picture of what it felt like to be on those dates. So at what point, when was it that you decided you wanted to write the book? It Was it after you found true love and, um, yeah. you know, and that's not, I mean, that it, we've, we've already mentioned that the story does have a happy ending and it's certainly yeah, not yeah. a spoiler because the journey is absolutely such a great read. Um, so, yeah, when did you decide you wanted to write the book? Also, it was um, my birthday, 2019. I remember I'd been thinking about it as I'd been slogging away at this business book 
and I had my I, I was out for dinner with Rod, my partner, and we had a baby. When we oh no, we had two babies at that stage actually. Yeah, we had our second baby in 2018, and I was just so happy, and I it felt like I'd stepped into a different body almost. I was just so happy, and I thought I really wanted to share this story, and I told Rod at that dinner, you know, I think I, this is the story I want to write, and he was very encouraging. And then, um, and then I signed up for your course like a week later. I think it started a wow. week. I started a month after that, and I begged the lady, the the woman that was doing the applications, to let me in because I didn't have the twenty thousand words yet. <laughs> but um, then I, that was like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so wow! Yes, it was it was to June two thousand nineteen. I decided. <laughs> okay, so now one of the dangers when you're writing a book, like say about 138 dates, is that it becomes like a diary, and this does not yep. read like a diary. Um, it has a narrative arc. It's just seamless. It's beautifully written. Um, what did you have to do to make sure it just wasn't an account of 138 dates? You know what I mean? Um, well, I mean, I read a lot, and I worked out the kind of books that I liked. And I'd read a lot of memoirs, and there's a lot of memoirs that I didn't like. You know, that they were nice and stuff, but I found that they were more like documentaries, and they I didn't feel like compelled to finish them. And you know, I felt like I really like movies that are based on a true story, that yes. are dramatized, yes. not so much you know documentaries. And so I was like, I want to write, you know. And then I loved, I was reading books like The Rosie Project and Eleanor Oliphant. Um, and, you know, the Crawdads book and stuff. And I was just like, I want to write a story that's that captivating. And so I, um, you know, when I was writing in the past, so I wrote the book in the present tense. Yep. And when I was writing in the past tense, more memoir style, I felt it's a little bit whingy almost like because I could pull out the lessons as I went. And it was, it really was a documentary. Um, and then I read The Rosie Project and Eleanor Oliphant kind of back to back. And I was like, that was a turning point because I had this idea of an kind of unreliable narrator and then sharing what was actually going through my head as mm. I was thinking about and planning the dates and all the fears and, you know, crazy things that you tell yourself. And and that's kind of funny without without being – I am not. I don't feel like I'm particularly funny, but that, that just being honest is mm. quite funny. And so – um. And so I was thought I would write in the present tense where I could be that unreliable narrator and, and the readers could kind of learn, you know, with me and spot things you know, often ahead of me. Mm. Yeah, so that so, was where the idea came from. That's um. So you are very um honest and and authentic and 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 funny. Um, and we all relate to all of the things that you're that that you write about. Um, and the danger when you're putting your heart out there, well, when you're you know writing down the, all of the things that are really in your head, is that it can become navel gazing or it can cross the line this doesn't cross yeah. the line it's just perfect what did you do to well a couple of things what did you do to make sure that you weren't it wasn't too much information and what does it feel like to be saying this for <laughs> gazillions of people to read um does it were you uh hesitant at all to do that uh yes 
<laughs> and then, but then as I wrote it, I remember thinking the scariest thing I could ever tell the world is that I didn't date for 10 years. And then when I wrote it, I was like, oh my God, that is like nothing compared to what I actually have to share about what happened. <laughs> and, um, but I found, you know, as I tried to write around things that I didn't want to cut talk about, it just didn't work. It yeah. was really obviously inauthentic. And I just figured out that the kind of the only way to do this is to be completely honest. And if I was ever wondering about what to write, I would just try and dig really deep into the truth and try and find like what would have been that thought that I was thinking at that particular point or that fear or yeah. And then I feel like that works. Yeah. It's just, it really, hopefully it feels present. Like you're there Oh, you, you, yeah. It's it, everyone. It relates to what you've you you've written about. So I think that that's fantastic. I think a lot of people, as you say, um, might be too scared to actually write down what they're really thinking, and therefore mm. the story suffers as a result. But did you write? I mean, you, it sounds like you you let yourself go. You write. You wrote it all down. Did you then read back any of it and decide? You know what? That bit's too much. There was one thing that was too much, which I took out. Oh. Yes, there was one thing where I was just like, I can't. <laughs> I can't have people think, have that image of me in their head. But um, <laughs> that was it. That was it. And that kind of made it all the way through to the final edit and I just pulled it just before um, in the proofing stage. But right. it was just a couple. It was a couple of paragraphs and I felt like that topic, it was, a, you know, you could probably imagine what it was, but okay. I, I felt like that topic was already covered in terms of, my awkwardness right. and, you know, yeah. I think I figured Sorry. out what it was, but okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I don't um, think it added anything to the story really. It was just no. sort of like, you know, and I thought it was just a little bit too much. Anyway, yes. Okay, so you decide <laughs> to you decide to write this book. Rod says that's a great idea. What, um, like on a practical level, how did you go about doing it? Did you just decide, okay, I'm going to concentrate on this full time now. I'm going to write X number of words a day. Are you, no doubt you approached it as systematically as you appear to approach everything else in your life. So how did um, it happen? So it, I mean, I originally I thought, okay, I could write, because I write a column, an 800-word column. I was like, that takes me about two and a half hours to write. So if I like do, you know, I could essentially, if I was doing full-time writing, I could do three of those a day. So I was thinking I could get through, I was thinking I could get through 2,000 words a day. And also that's what Stephen King says on his, on his writing thing. <laughs> but then I found I just couldn't do that. I just didn't have the um, the juice to do it, which was some one of the first things that I learned, like that, you know, the creativity has only got a certain amount. I only had a certain amount in me every day. Mm -hmm. um, I started out trying to do it at 4.30 in the morning before I work and before my kids got up. Oh, um, and, you know, I just would only get an hour or so. And I did make some progress, but it wasn't as fast as it needed to be. But then when COVID hit, I had to shut down my business, which was an events kind of training business. And so, um, and so I just focused on it full time. And so Rod had the kids from 12 – in the afternoon onwards, and I had from seven till twelve in the morning to write in my little 
desk upstairs and I couldn't go downstairs because the kids were there running around and I'd get pulled into something. So I just I was kind of locked in my bedroom with a desk for yeah. five hours every morning during that lockdown, first lockdown period. And um, that was the best thing that could have happened for my book because yes. I just, yeah. I mean, I managed, and even though I was there for five hours, I still only managed to get a thousand words a day done. Sometimes not even that much, but that was my aim was to get a thousand words a day done. And how did you decide um, how you were going to structure it? Because did did you always know that it was going to be this this narrative arc or did you at some points think, well, you know, I want to share my lessons so maybe I'll divide it up into lessons or, you know, how, how mm-hmm. did you decide this on the structure? Well, I decided I wanted it to be like a fiction book and I wanted it to read and to be captivating like a fiction book. I didn't really know and I didn't know about narrative arc until honestly I, when I signed up for that course, you mm-hmm. had to do the application form and that had in the application you had to work out your narrative arc and so the plot turning point wanted so that was actually the first time I thought about it like that and um and then I started planning okay well where's the climax and what is the climax and yeah so then as I did the course it kind of came together and I I started that course running in the past tense and then changed it and yeah changed the climax right at the very end of the course and then I went off and finished it Okay, so so when COVID hit, you shut down your events business so that you're able to focus on this and obviously great result for the in terms of the book. You've been in working in the business world for a, you know, twenty years or fifteen years or whatever. Um yes. for listeners who don't know, Rebecca started off in music management and managed bands like Evermore and Matt Corby and other bands <laughs> um, yeah. before moving into the tech space. But I read in your book, in this book, 138 Dates, that when you left school, you initially wanted to be a journalist. Yes. So obviously the interest in writing um, has been there for a while, but you went into the world of business. Yeah. What does, and now this fantastic book has come out. It's being so well received. What is your feeling now about whether you're going to about the balance of the writing and, and the business world? Uh, well, I think, I mean, I think like life has phases and I feel like my business phase has probably come to its natural, well, not necessarily end, but, um, you know, I was always interested in writing right back to very mm-hmm. early in, in primary school, I remember. I won a short story competition actually like in high school and I was, that was my passion. And then I kind of lost it as I went into music and then business. And then I started, found it a bit again when I wrote the blog. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I love it. I do love it. There's nothing – when I, I was just saying to Rod the other day, like that I've never been happier than when I was writing this book mm. in terms of just at the end of the day – I felt so satisfied and so like, especially if it had gone well and I come up with something that I thought was good, I just felt mm. great. And I, the lifestyle of it was awesome and, you know, I just, yeah, I, I'm playing, you know, I hope now I get the opportunity to write some more books. I've got oh, a couple more I ideas. Have, 
I have no doubt that that's going to happen because, you know, um, even before Rebecca did this, did our course, I knew of Rebecca when, you know, after she uh, was in music management, I, we kind of, our, our paths kind of crossed in the startup space and you had Posse and you had Hey You and, you know, and so on. You had Zambezi and so on. <laughs> And I'm reading this book. As I was reading this book or towards the end of reading this book, I just said, this is her thing. This is her thing. This is, this is, it's just everything just gelled to me in terms of you as a writer and this is your thing. And I just thought, she's, this is her thing. I I was just so (laughs) happy for you, you know. Um, Thank you so much. Because I really, really felt, I really, really feel that that this is your thing. <laughs> um, I should probably Excellent. explain that in better words than that, but, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an excellent book, not only in the story but the way it's written. So, okay, you, you get kind of a thousand words and, or you get run out of juice and stuff like yes. that. Um, yes. Then you get to the end of your first draft or, you know, yeah. you, you've written, you, you know, um, and you've, you, you've come to the end of your story what happened then? Because you hadn't got a book deal by then, right? Um, so, I mean, I left. So I didn't finish the book. I got I left it the last 10,000 words or so because I wanted them ah. to be like my treat to finish because <laughs> I knew I would love writing those last 10,000 words for meeting <laughs> prior to the happy ending. Um, so I left that to be the end of my second draft. Um, oh. And, and, and then I wrote so, – so I wrote it – yeah – it's a little complicated, but I um, finished, I don't know, two-thirds of a first draft mm-hmm. and then I got approached by Alan Nunwin because ah, I read okay. that article. And yeah. then I, then she wanted a synopsis and I didn't really have a synopsis that had been at any way and, and other than the one that I'd wrote for the application for the course. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a synopsis and I sent her the first few chapters um, and then based on that I got offered the book deal, yeah. Right. And then it was really fast. From then on, it was like Mm. your deadline to submit was Christmas. I think it was like the 20th of December or something. And that was, this was, this was October and I had wanted to do a second draft. And so it was really, it was pretty hard. And I hadn't even finished the first draft because I hadn't written the end of it. So Mm. I was writing right up until Christmas Eve, I think I sent it in or something. Oh, wow. (laughs) But, um, what's, yeah. What was the hardest thing about writing this book? Um, I think writing the beginning was the hardest part to write. Finding the voice, oh. like find, finding the voice and the, um, you know, writing it in the right tense, that was really hard. After I had that, mm. then I was kind of on a bit more of a roll, I think. But that beginning was really, really hard because – there's so much that you have to do in the beginning of a book in terms of like setting it all up, setting up the, you know, the way that you're telling the story mm. and, and, you know, giving people a hook, setting up your character so that your character is kind of vulnerable um, and, and you, you know, you want to root for them. So it's like I found I was trying to, you know, it's just a lot of pressure to do in the first few chapters and, I, I found it really difficult and I didn't have a particularly compelling beginning and I rewrote the beginning, you know, right at the end was that I wrote it in February this year, the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. rewrote the whole beginning and wrote the prologue um, 
to be more, you know, as a publisher, I wanted something that was more hooky. And oh, well, it gets you in. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, I just felt, yeah, I started it so many times and just the beginning of it was hard. The end was easy and a dream to write. But, the, mm. yeah, even after I came back and did it again and again and again, I still found it really difficult. What was the most rewarding thing about writing this book? Well, I think now it's out. It's been really beautiful to get lots of messages from people who are saying that they can really relate to it. It's made them feel less alone. I, I can't believe. Because I think when you are this honest, it is the scary thing is you don't know if it's just you that has these thoughts mm. or if other people will be able to relate to them. Because if it's like, if it's something that's been said before by lots of people, it's not really that scary because you kind of know. Yeah. But like, a lot of the stuff I put in there was really scary and I just didn't know, am I the only woman in the world that you know, has, has been through this? <laughs> um, but getting all those messages in, that has been really rewarding and it's constantly coming now and it's great. I'm, I'm loving like, it, responding to all of them. And um, mm. But, yeah, that's been awesome. So as I mentioned, I believe <laughs> that this is your thing, right? So are you already writing the next book? Not yet. I've got two ideas that I'm working on, but I'm um, I'm spending so much time trying to promote this book. Sure, yeah. I feel like if I can make this book successful, then, you know, it'll be easy to write the next one. And, you know, <laughs> so I'm just trying to do everything I possibly can to get it out there. Um, oh, this book is going to be successful. <laughs> thank you. That's I hope great. so. Um, so <laughs> finally, what are your top three tips? So imagine that you're speaking to people who are um, where you were before your book deal. You know, you hadn't written anything yet and you, but you know you've got a book in you and you want to, and you want to write something. What are your top three tips for aspiring writers who want to have their own book like this one day? Look, I mean, I would definitely say do a course. I mean, your course was great for me, and I'm sure there are others as well, but that just the, the structure really, I don't think I would have, I would have written something very different. Or I don't actually think I would have finished just going in and it was six months and, you know, I had to give feedback and get got feedback regularly. I built a community of um a couple of other women from the course and they kept going and we kept giving each other feedback and encouragement. That was really helpful. Also the feedback I got from Pamela was amazing and totally changed how I wrote the book. Um, so definitely that would be one. I think to something I learned was like, I am a bit of a, you know, I know that it's like, you might think that I'm quite <laughs> structured and things, but I'm quite a faffer. Like I do, <laughs> I faff every morning. I would come and I'd check Facebook and I would like always try and, you know, I'd always um, easily get distracted or feel like I should be checking the news sites. and go. But I learned that that was actually just part of my process and I didn't give myself such a hard time about it after a while and I learned, okay, I'm just faffing and I'm going to get back to it now and it's fine. So I was just like trying to get through a decent amount every day and, and keep going with it. Um, and maybe like be careful that you ask for feedback. That's probably another thing. Hmm. I mean, I sent out like, I'm trying to think of something original, but ask for feedback at early on, at least that, you know, is going to be supportive that, you know, is going to, you know, give you some encouragement and not 
because I found, you know, I sent off, like I sent off some some of those um, drafts, which are actually quite similar to what ended up getting published mm-hmm. and got rejected from, you know, competitions and things like that. And and it's just that that really hurt me. <laughs> and some, a couple of people I sent it to also were not very, you know, they were just wanted to, I'm sure they wanted to be helpful, but I found that, you know, things that they didn't like about it hurt. So I think, you know, you just need friends around you early on that are just going to encourage you and give you some positive feedback and yeah, maybe point you in the right direction of things that might not make total sense. But Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) look, I, uh, congratulations on 138 dates. Everyone should get a copy. Um, I just, as I said, I couldn't put it down. And um, so I'm just so happy for you, Rebecca. Um, Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do. So thank you so much for having me. There we go, Rebecca Campbell. Well, that's fantastic because the little conversation that we had with Rebecca at the block party, um, anyone who came along to that might remember our our, um, brief encounter with Rebecca, so to speak, Um, Mm. and that really whet my appetite to find out more. So, Mm. you know, I found that really interesting. Yeah, and I just love the way she (laughs) approached the whole process and I'm so glad that the result is also, um, you know, a really well-written book. It's so when you're you're putting yourself out there, you know, Mm. there is – this 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 danger that you could go too far in, in mm. you, you might regret some of mm. the things that you end up uh, you know putting into words and showing the whole world. But I think it's really well done. So you know, uh, good on Rebecca for 138 dates. All right, so we're now at the end of this week's episode. You've also got some news. I saw I got this email during the week, uh, um, with your name up in lights. Oh, yes. I, yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I entirely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so clever. So for people who don't know, <laughs> um, this is a um, – it's such a good site, isn't it? It's like an industry um, – That's right. Uh, it's a, one of the most respected industry uh, sites around, right? Bookseller yes, and so, – yeah. uh, books booksandpublishing.com.au and mm. they they update the website regularly. They have a whole range of different newsletters that you can also subscribe to. Um, it's a fantastic resource for just mm. staying across what's going on in the industry, Australia yep. and New Zealand. Um, anyway, we got a, I got a, I got a shout out there because the Your Kids Next Read podcast, which I do with Megan Daly from Children's Books Daily, go and listen if you haven't heard us. We're hilarious. Um, <laughs> well, not as hilarious as Val and I, clearly. <laughs> but kind of hilarious um yeah I'll just talk myself up there um we well we got a shout out because we have been in uh the top arts and top books podcast since our first episode came out we haven't dropped um we've we've actually even reached the top 10 which is very exciting for us um and yeah and so books and publishing ran a news piece about that which is um you know incredibly supportive and thank you very much yes Excellent. Mm. So now, what are you doing in the coming week, Al? Well, I've got to psych up for my Zoom, put my Zoom face on for the uh, for the various school talks that I have coming up. Um, what else am I doing? Well, I've I've got the the boys at home this week uh, due to you know conditions in the world. Yeah. Uh, mm. So we're going to be you know organize managing the schooling and the and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, 
my heart goes out to people who have young kids who've been, you know, in stay-at-home orders for a long, long time because I've got two teenage boys and mm. they generally pretty much look after themselves. It's just the drag on the internet that I really... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's that whole thing of everybody's got to be like, well, I'm Zooming so you can't blah, blah. Mm. It's all that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, like it's where, you know, you do what you do. So that's what we'll be doing. And, mm. um, yeah, that's about it really, just tidying things up and getting myself organised. What about you? Cool. Uh, well, well, actually, I'm busy putting the finishing touches onto some additional modules that are going in the Writing Picture Books course because ah. what we've done is we've built it out so that there's additional modules that speak directly to illustrators, so illustrators of picture books ah. obviously so that illustrators can see how to work with authors but also how to think about the text and how to illustrate and compose they compose their image accordingly depending on say where in the text the the, the illustration falls so uh-huh. there's lots of I don't think there's anything like it actually in Australia because um, it's been created by Kathy Tasker and she is one of the you know Australia's experts in in children's um, picture books and mm. It's this. It, it goes to a really granular level onto all of the things you need to consider, even about your medium and even about the paper that you might you, you use to oh. actually put your image on. Um, wow. Things to think about. It doesn't talk about here's how you draw a, 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 a you know an animal or anything. It's not about that, but it's a very specific to the picture book. Um, process. So if you're an illustrator, definitely check it out. Um, especially if you want to be an author illustrator, because then it's, Hey, it's, um, uh, a double whammy. You'll, you'll get so much out of that course, writing picture books. Mm. All right. So where do we find you online now? Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.